Thanks, Russ. Good morning, Olive Tree. I just want to take a moment to look at all your beautiful faces. You truly are beautiful. You know, once I put my glasses on, I can't see you. So I just want to take this moment in. How gloriously beautiful, God's children. I don't know why I love it up here so much. You can see I'm so scared, okay? So scared, but I love it so much. And I tried to figure out why is it that I love something that is so frightening, so scary. And then I realized I get to talk about Jesus for 20 minutes at least with nobody interrupting me, (laughs) nobody trying to change the topic. So I'm going to enjoy this every single moment. You see that? That's my Jesus. I can't look at that photo without crying. If you can, you're so strong, man. (laughs) But look how beautiful he is. He rescues and he saves me every single day. Every day he rescues and he saves me. He is so loving. He is so kind. He is so glorious. He is so beautiful. He is so gentle. He's so patient. He's so good. He is so generous. He's just so amazing. There's not enough words for me to describe my Jesus to you. I pray that you will make him your Jesus too today if you haven't done so yet. Okay, now I'm going to stop crying. One second. (laughs) So I have been a believer in Jesus Christ for 33 years. I know what you're thinking. She's 33 years. She should be walking on water by now. I know. I'm a slow learner. But guys, I can tell you in that 33 years, Jesus has answered each and every one of my prayers. Every one of my prayers. Not always the way I wanted him to or expected him to. Not always when I said he must, but always for my good. Always, always, always. Did you know that Jesus has a solution for every single problem you can possibly face? If you remember one thing of what I said today, I want you to remember tomorrow morning, when you put your shoes on, you're going to say, thank you, Jesus, you have a solution for any problem I can face today, and then go out and enjoy the day. That is my Jesus. Today, what we're actually doing is we're going to celebrate his goodness. We're going to celebrate and rejoice of all the good that he's done for us this whole year. And sometimes we don't always see his hand in our lives. It's only when we look back and we go, oh, that's where he moved. Oh, there he guided me. Oh, there he protected me. The, the um, verse we're going to start off with today is the main verse is Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 5. We're 16 and 18. Sorry, I've got a bit of a runny nose. I'm going to read it to us. Verse 16. Is it up there? Yes. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So today what we're going to do is we're going to rejoice The Lord says, it's almost an instruction. Do this every day. Do this all the time. Sorry, I'm just going to start. Oh, hold on. My nose is not properly running. Sorry. It's all this crying. I'm going to start with a a story of, uh, in the Bible that I really, is just so cool. And then I'm going to tell you some of my stories. I'm going to tell you more Bible stories and more of my stories. And then we're going to pray and we're going to absolutely rejoice. 
So the story I really want to start with today that I think is just so amazing is the story of Jehoshaphat. I don't know if you remember from, uh, you know, when we were Sunday school, we want to be in Jehoshaphat's choir because we go around, we sing, and, we enjoy, and then Jesus takes away of all our problems and he fixes everything. That's really just true. That's the crux of it. He wants us to be in the choir, worship him, move aside, and allow him some space to move. And he, we will see how he solves all our problems. So I'm going to read it to us just, just briefly. And then when we get to verse 22, I'm going to tell you at verse 22, and you can put up the last three verses. We're going to read that together. So it happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel and said, listen, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Oh, if we can only just remember that. The battle is not ours, but God's. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head and with his face to the ground with all of Judah, worshiping the Lord. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing in the Lord. And who, who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And that is what we're going to do today. We're going to praise the Lord because his mercy endures forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 23, 3, guys. You can just about go and learn that whole psalm out of your head because it will come in good stead for you every single day. Verse 22, we're going to read now together from verse 22 to verse 25. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and the Mount Zair who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and there were, there, there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoils, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped of them for themselves, more than they could carry away. Wow, I wish I was there. And they, were three, they were three days gathering the spoils. There was so much. I mean, how incredible is that? I'm reading the story to you because I want you to know that Jesus moves in such different ways, really the way we could never see it happen. So we might be praying this way, and then when we open our eyes, we say, oh, but he's actually moves that way, and it was so for our good. I'm sure that when Jehoshaphat got to the top of that mountain and he looked down to that valley, he, he did not expect to see no battle take place, that the whole battle had already happened, everything wiped out, and three days. The jewelry was so much, guys, three days, picking up jewelry. Wow, hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you one of my stories. Sorry, I've got a bit of a cough. Quite a long time ago in business, a big claim was set against me. It was a massive claim, guys. It was so big. It was gazillions, okay? Even if I had sold everything I owned, I could not have paid this claim. And the, the people, the authorities accused me of falsifying documents, saying, you have put wrong information or, or incorrect information on this document so that your, your customer, the third party over here, can benefit financially. 
And I was just kicked in the gut and said, well, you need to pay this fine. And I was like, Lord, what am I going to do? And I knew for a fact I was innocent. I knew for a fact that what they are saying is wrong. And there's nothing I could do. And I went home and absolutely like Jehoshaphat, I was so full of fear. I could hardly breathe. My stomach was in a knot. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think straight. I thought, this is the end of me. I'll have to sell everything I have. I have to borrow money somewhere. I'll be out on the street. And that's me done. There, I, can't, I couldn't see one day further forward. Then I thought, you know what? I can't just be so full of fear. I need to fix this like we do. So I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll go to an internationally well-recognized body to verify my document. So I spent all the money. I went and had all this affidavit certified test done to verify that, look, it is exactly the same as what my document said. And I was so relieved. I went with my document to my accused and I said, there, you see, there from this internationally well-recognized, specialized body. There you can see that my documentation is exactly the same as their finding. They looked at it and said, yeah, mm, uh, we're not accepting this. I thought, oh, what am I going to do, Lord? What am I going to do? No, 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 we'll do our own investigation and we'll get back to you. And I thought, your own investigation? I know your experts locally is not nearly as sophisticated as my experts. I know they can't even do the kind of test that I have just done to verify this affidavit to you. What kind of investigation are you going to do? This is what I'm thinking, not saying to them, obviously. So uh, I go back home. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? Help, help, help. What am I going to do? I'm completely at their mercy. Then I start thinking, maybe this is just a shakedown. You know, maybe they're just trying to bring these false claims against me so they can get money out of me or something. And I just thought at that time, you know what? I cannot lose sleep over this. I've got to stay in peace. I've got to function. I've got to carry on. Lord, you've got to help me. Every day was a battle. Every hour sometimes. I can't be worried about this. I can't be consumed by this. One month went by and I heard nothing. Oh, Lord, please, you know, please, I can't be handing this. This anticipation, this waiting is just killing me. Another month went by. And you know, you're almost like, don't want to ask, you're too scared. Because what if it's bad news? So I'm like an ostrich with my head in the sand saying, if I just ignore it, it might just go away. So I thought, you know what? I've got to face the music. I've got to get hold of my accusers, and I've just got to get to, I've got to, get to the bottom of what is going on. So I thought, I'll make an appointment with them. And before I could make the appointment, they walked past me in a passage, and I just got the courage, and I grabbed them by the hand and said, uh, excuse me, uh, about my claim, um, have you had like any further, and he started to laugh. <laughs> Did nobody tell you? I said, no, nobody told me anything. What must they tell me? Oh, no, you were right. The claim was put to bed long ago. And I thought, the claim was put to bed long ago. No, nobody told me. But thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I felt like Josephette. I came for the battle. I'm sitting and standing on top of the hill, and my enemies just wiped out like mist to the sun. Guys, that is one time of many, okay? So anyway, this is our Jesus. My Jesus, oh, he's gone now, but he's still here. <laughs> he moves in strange ways. So another story I'm just going to touch on briefly because it's just so awesome to me uh, is the, the story of the Canaanite woman who had a, a daughter that was severely demon-possessed. It's actually in Matthew 15, but I'm not going to read it because I don't want to take too much time. And uh, this lady, being an outsider, was following Jesus and the disciples around. And she wanted to get Jesus' attention. And she knew if she could just get to him, she knew that he would help her. And the disciples were getting irritated with her and said, you know what, Lord, send her away. She's bothering us. Send her away. 
And then Jesus did a small teaching about how he first came for the Jews and, and obviously then for the Gentiles, but it was just like a word. And then he said to a woman, because of your faith, you will have the desires of your heart. And her child was instantly healed in that moment. So what is so amazing to me is the child wasn't there. The child didn't have faith. The woman was there. The woman had the faith. So know this. When you start praying and you say, Lord, my child who's working on the boats in Europe, move upon him. Save him. Heal him. My mother who's an older German Crawford, move upon her. Heal her. He goes. You don't have to go there. You don't have to fly. You don't have to lay hands. This is Jesus, guys. And I think sometimes we don't recognize his hand. We don't really see what he's actually done, the way he's kept us, the way he guided us, the way he protects us, the way he provides us, the way he forgives us our sins every single day. He rescues and he saves me every single day. And I know he wants to rescue and save you every single day. I'm going to tell you another story. About 20 years ago, I was going through a season of running away from the Lord. I discovered nightclubs, and it was like a new teenagehood, and I was late in my 20s already. I know, as I said, a slow learner. So, <laughs> and I thought, and me and my friends, we would party for the 18. We would do it proper, okay? So every Friday, and I can promise you this is every Friday, when I'm getting ready, I'm thinking what I'm going to put on my makeup, what I'm going to wear, where I'm going to go, I would get this sick feeling in my stomach. I would feel nervous in my stomach, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And I will say, but you know, Holy Spirit, I'm going to go and I'm just going to have one drink. Because, you know, I can't sit alone at home. They're all going. I can, you know, then I've got no friends. So I've got to go. But you know what? I promise you, I don't know if you've ever had a conversation like this with the Holy Spirit. It's only me. Hey, yeah, good for you guys. Don't do it. It's not worth it. I promise you. It's a price to pay. So anyway, I will say, well, you know, I'm going to go. But, you know, I'm just going to have one drink. And, of course, the Holy Spirit knew I was lying. And I knew I was lying. Because three hours into it, I'm like in the thick of things, and it's whoop, 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 dancing everywhere, you know. So one night I had gone out like that, and I came home early hours of the morning as we did. And I'm lying in my bed, I'm trying to fall asleep. And in that moment, demonic spirits came out of the ceiling and started growling at me and cackling and hissing and laughing at me. I was petrified. I thought, let me close my eyes. If I open them again, maybe they'll go away. They didn't go away. And in that moment, I knew that I didn't deserve to call on God. I knew that I had willfully walked away from the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, we always say, um, it's those who are, are walking to, to according to the Spirit, that there's now no condemnation in Christ. As, as, for those who walk according to the Spirit. I clearly wasn't walking according to the Spirit. I clearly was walking against all his good advice, his good unction in his good direction. And in that moment, I just thought, well, they're going to consume me. They're going to take me. They're going to take me into hell. And I just said, Jesus, help me. Jesus, make them go away. Make them go away. Jesus, take them away. In the name of Jesus, be gone. And in that moment, they were away. And I just thought, Lord, you are so faithful. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. You are faithful even when I'm not. He is faithful. My Jesus is faithful even when I'm not. I knew at that time that I was playing with fire. You know when you're standing with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you know what happens? You get the splits. <laughs> and it's uncomfortable. Don't do it. 
Just decide. Just say today, Lord, today I'm in. I'm, I'm all in for you. I'm tired of doing the splits. It's hurting. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, so you know what, guys? Um, you might say to me, rejoice in the Lord always. I say rejoice. And you might say, but you don't know the year I've had. You know, I, I lost my husband this year or my child died this year. How on earth do you expect me to rejoice? Or my, my marriage broke up this year. How, how can I rejoice? My husband left me for his secretary and I'm sitting here and I'm alone and the world's hard and it's just not fair. Or I've lost my job and I'm looking for another job and I just can't find a job and you know what, I'm in such a state. I don't know where my future is going to be. How, how do you want me to rejoice? You know when Lazarus was dead and Jesus went to go raise him from the dead. When he got there, he saw Mary and he saw Martha and they were crying. And as Jesus saw their hearts breaking in sadness and in mourning, he started to cry. The word says he wept. And then the word says he started groaning in his spirit. He was grieving with them. So when we are crying and we are grieving and our heart is full of pain and it's broken, he's crying with us. And he's saying, let me strengthen you. Let me put my arms around you. Let me carry you. I am as, When you are troubled, I am troubled. That is our Jesus. He doesn't just stand and say, oh, okay, well, you know what? You deal with it. I'll get back, back to you when things are a little bit better. I want to tell you the last story, and then we're going to stand and pray, and we're going to thank him for everything that he's done for us this year. My sister Marianne lost her 17-year-old son a couple of years ago. Uh, his name was Daniel. And, whew, just a moment. God is so good, guys. God is so good. Jesus is so awesome. Okay. And I know you want to know how did he die, so I'll tell you quickly. So Daniel was a very good scout. Scouting in Cape Town is a big thing. And... Um, and he was about to get his springbok colors. The ceremony was going to be one month away. And they, they took all the scouts on their last camp in Musenberg. So there they were all in their last camp. And Daniel was a very good photographer. He was brilliant at it. And it, as teenagers do, 12 o'clock at night, him and his little friend snuck out of the camp. And there was a big railway track next to the camp. And he thought he wants to go take photos of the railway track. But he thought, you know what? There's a big pile of cement pylon on the side of the railway track. If I climb up there, my view will be so much better. So in the dark, he climbed up to the top of this, uh, they call it a pylon, and uh, he lost his footing. And as he lost his footing, he grabbed. He grabbed onto a wire, and this wire had a high voltage through it, and he got shocked to death. Instantly, he was dead. And his friend said he fell to the ground like a shadow. So about half past one, they phone Marianne and say, Marianne, come through to Musenberg. There has been an accident. So Marianne gets through the car. She hadn't slept yet. So she drove through to Musenberg from Seapoint. She got there, and she, the medics were there, and Daniel's lying on the floor, and they have got like a silver sheet over him. So she pulls the silver sheet away, and she just held the boy. And she just loved him and kissed him and just told him how much she loves him because it's only her and him. She, there's no husband. There's no other siblings. It's just the two of them. So she's holding, kissing him, and she's driving back home. On her way back home, she starts to realize, but I was awake when this accident happened. Why didn't I pray for him? You know, when, when, when I was 17, Marianne and I, I've told you the story, we went down a 75-meter cliff. Our car went into the sea outside Gordons Bay, 
And my mom was praying for us in the spirit while this, house, while this accident was happening. And we knew that her prayers saved our life because the other guy drowned. His body went with a car into the sea. So Marianne immediately thought, I was lying awake. Why was I not praying for my child? I was feeling restless. I couldn't see. Why was I not praying? And when I saw his body, why didn't I ask God to raise him from the dead? Jesus says, you will, ra- you will raise the dead. Why was I so concerned with the paramedics and what people would think that I didn't say, Lord, give him back his spirit, Jesus. Uh, Daniel, wake up. Why didn't I say that? So these thoughts are going through her mind. Sorry, 8 o'clock that morning, she phoned me and I took the first flight to Cape Town. Shocked. We are shocked. We can't believe this is happening. I'm, I'm on my own and I'm sitting on the plane. I've got my Bible open. And you know, when you're such shock, you can't think straight. You can't even think, where must I read, Lord? <laughs> what to read? What to pray? Sorry for sniffing, guys. Sorry. It's just the tears. <laughs> uh, what to pray? What to read? And in that moment, I thought, I'll just pray in the Spirit. So as I start praying in the Spirit, the Lord gives me a vision. He shows me Daniel in heaven with another little boy, Manoli. And this little boy had died six years prior or so. And uh, there's a big tree and there's a grass, like a hill, bit of a grass and on an instep. And Daniel's standing and Manoli's walking up to Daniel and he hands Daniel something that looks like a square box or something. I don't know what it was. But as he hands Daniel this box, Daniel takes it from Manoli and they're both smiling and they're laughing and they're talking to each other. And that was it. So I thought, shoot, Lord, what about that? I will just keep that to myself because I don't know if Daniel ever gave his life to Jesus. I just know he didn't want to go to church. So uh, I got to Miran's flat, and then something incredible happened. Incredible. I'm sitting in the flat. Miran's in the bedroom crying, talking to my mom on the phone. And all these strangers are milling in. The scouts' moms are coming. People from church are coming. Neighbors are coming. I don't know who's who, what, what. They're bringing food. They're bringing cake. And there's just like, a, there's like a, uh, lots of people in a very small space. And in walks a very old lady. And uh, she has a tart in her hand, and she puts it down, she comes, and she introduces herself to me. And as I look at her, I see the Holy Spirit in her eyes. And I thought, Lord, that's you. And I thought, let me just be quiet, because I don't know where she fits in. Maybe she's just a neighbor. Maybe she's from Camps Bay High. Where is she from? I don't know how she fits in. I'll just wait and see. So a little while later, she comes, and she brings me a piece of cake. And then I couldn't just hold it back anymore. As she hands me the cake, I touched her arm, and I just said, Who is in you is in me. And in that moment, she started to cry. And she wept and she wept and she says, so you believe? I said, yes, I'm Ron's sister. And she says, yeah, she's a believer and she lost a child many years ago and she never mourned the death of her child. She only mourned the death of her child a couple of years ago when she went to a little boy's funeral and I stopped her. And I said, I know whose funeral you went to. You went to Manoli's funeral. Uh, He's in heaven. I saw him this morning in a vision with Daniel. And she goes, how do you know Manoli? I said, uh, I'm from Durban and Manoli's from Durban and I, I knew his mom. He's, she said, but how do you, I said, how do you know Manoli? And she says, you're right. It was Manoli's funeral I went to. I'm his great aunt. And I always wondered if he was saved because I didn't know if his parents had raised him up as a Christian or as a believer. And, and then she just started to laugh and she just started to cry. I don't know what the other people in the lounge were thinking. Some people were leaving, but I just thought that gave me the boldness to go tell Moran what I saw. I walked through to the bedroom and I said, Moran, Moran, get off the phone. I've got to tell you something. I saw Daniel in heaven this morning. He was with Manoli, another child. You don't know, but his great aunt is sitting in your lounge. She just walked into your lounge. So, uh, uh, Marianne said, 
I said, but Moran, did he ever give his life to Jesus? And then Moran started sharing with me. She said, you know, when Daniel was eight, he did make a commitment. He did say the salvation prayer. But with his parents' divorce, his heart grew cold towards God, and he didn't want to go to church anymore. But about a month prior to this accident, he went up with his friends to Signal Hill. They used to love to go walk up Signal Hill. And a man came and walked past him. Just out of the blue, a man crossed their path and stopped them. Daniel's friends continued walking on, but Daniel stopped. And this man started talking to him about Jesus. And he said, can I pray with you, Daniel? And Daniel said, yes, please, please pray for me. And Daniel was so excited to come down and to tell Marianne that, you know, this whole experience with a stranger that came past his path, but that prayed for, for him. So in that moment, I thought, thank you, Lord. You know how to send people to bring our children back to God or just to bring that connection because your timing is always perfect. We still don't know till today who this man was or where he went. He just carried on, walked on. So Marianne then shared with me, you know what, I was awake at the time when uh, Daniel died. Why didn't I pray? Why didn't I even try to raise him from the dead? I said, Marianne, it's never too late. We can go pray now. Where is he now? We can go pray now. Lazarus was dead for four days. Nothing is impossible for Jesus. We can go. And she said, you know, actually, we've got to go on Monday morning to the morgue to go identify his body. I said, okay, we're going to pray. We didn't say a single word about it again that night. I'm phoning Peter, Peter and Bella here in Durban. I said, babe, we're going to pray for Daniel to be raised from the dead on Monday. Will you and Bella stand in faith with us? Yes, he will stand in faith with us. Daniel, Peter gets hold of Rodney Howard Brown. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a, um, a, got a wonderful uh, ministry in Tampa, Florida. He's actually from South Africa, and um, he is sort of a man of great faith. <laughs> he said to me, we're going to go pray for Daniel. Where's Daniel? No, he's in Cape Town. Where in Cape Town? No, he's in the morgue. Yeah, I'll stand, I'll stand in faith with you. Sunday morning, Marianne and I went to church. Lots of tears, lots of people hugging and loving. It was really beautiful. Monday morning comes. Nobody says a single word. The whole house is quiet. And Marianne comes through to my room and she says, you know what? I only want Jesus to raise him from the dead if Daniel is going to serve the Lord for the rest of his life. I said, Marianne, I stand in agreement with you. That is what we're going to ask the Lord for. So in the car, nobody said anything. We just drive there very slowly to the morgue. We get there. And as you walk in, it's like a, it looks like a police station with lots of people with uniforms. So you have to sign your name in. And we're standing at the registry, just the re reception desk, and we're signing our names. And in that moment, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit come upon us. It felt like a gentle rain was falling on us. And it's almost like my spirit just lifted and said, yes, Lord, you are here. So we moved, they moved us through to another room, and they pulled Daniel out on a silver, like a bed on wheels, but a metal thing. His body's there, and they covered the side of his face that was singed with the voltage. So this side, it was just, there was no scars or anything. It was beautiful. And his body's about this far away from us, but because the coroner had not finished the autopsy, we weren't allowed to touch his body. So between his body and us, there was a glass, pane of glass, so I put my hand on the pane of glass, and I hold Marianne's hand with my left hand, and she puts her hand on the other pane of glass, and Daniel is literally, his face is here, but there's glass between us. And we start to pray. I say, Jesus, give Daniel back his spirit. He's all that Marianne has. Raise him from the dead. Daniel, get up in Jesus' name. Daniel, get up. Jesus, you know that she loves him. She misses him. Jesus, please give him back his spirit. Daniel, get up in the name of Jesus. Wake up. Wake up, Daniel. And as I'm saying this, my hand's shaking. 
And I look back to Marianne, and Marianne is literally standing like this. I can't even imitate it. It was like an electric shock went through her whole body, and I realized the Holy Spirit is upon her. And she just said, I have peace. I have peace. I have peace. And I left her there. I thought, let her, the Holy Spirit, and Daniel have their moment. And I looked back to Daniel's body. And you know what, guys? He wasn't there. That was just an earth suit. He was in heaven, just as Jesus showed me. And you might say, but you know what? Jesus didn't raise him from the dead. But Jesus gave her peace. He gave her peace even in her grief and in her sadness. Marianne went on to do another year of grief counseling. And now she's become a grief counselor. And she's walking many through their pain and through their loss. So he works all things to our good, guys. Even in the time when we think we can't see his hand, he's with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. So I want you all to stand. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to remind us, to remind you and to remind me of all the good that Jesus has done for us this year. All the times when he sends somebody across our path to give us a hug, where he's provided for us, where he's protected us, where he's kept us from evil, where he's forgiven us our sins every single day, he removed us as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more, where he's just loved us and comforted us, where he's provided for us, where he's put his arms around us and things were hard where he just sat with us, where he just loved on us. Jesus, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that every morning we wake up, you kiss us on our forehead and say, come on, girl, let's go. Thank you that you save us and you rescue us every single day. Thank you that you've made us yours, that you make everything new, that you strengthen us, that you give us joy, you give us peace, even in the hardest of times. You're just so good. We just want to say hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of lords, we lift you up and we say hallelujah. How glorious you are, Jesus. How beautiful you are, Jesus. How much we love you, Lord. You're so precious. With all eyes are closed and heads are bowed. If you have never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, and you want to invite him into your heart this morning, I want to ask you to be brave. I want you just to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to pray a prayer with you. Just be bold and say, yes, Jesus. I want to call you my Jesus my Savior. If you are a bit like Daniel and you can't call towards the Lord, you're like me, you've been doing the splits, and you want to say, Lord, today I'm going to recommit my life to you. I don't want to stand with one foot in the world and one foot serving you. I want, I want it all, Lord. I want all of you, and I'm giving you all of me. Come into my heart again today and make everything new. If that is you, raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I see your hand. I see you. I see your hand. Thank you for all the hands. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us on the cross 
you took all our sin and you took all our punishment and you washed it away with your blood. Today we repent and we say, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for our sins. Thank you, Lord, that after today you remember it no more. You put it as far as the east is from the west. Thank you that on the third day you rose again. And thank you, Lord, that today you come to live in my heart anew. That I'm a child of God from today onwards. And I will serve you for the rest of my life. And I will spend eternity with you, Jesus. How good you are, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for loving us first. Amen. And amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't he wonderful? Guys, that is it. So go and have some coffee. But if you feel you want some more prayer, please come to the front. We've got some wonderful people that will pray with you and even me and everybody. We'll have a few people here praying for you. (laughs) These. (laughs) Or whatever. So thank you and have a blessed week. And remember tomorrow morning when you put on your shoes. Jesus, you have a solution for every problem I could possibly face. And go and have a fun day. (laughs) Goodbye.